Well, good evening, guys. I didn't realize one of you I work with, we won't mention any names, but I also didn't realize, Dylan reminded me, I had you guys in release time. Some of you, y'all were my first group in release time, so I'm very thankful for the opportunity to get one more chance to tell you about the most important thing that you'll ever know and hopefully encourage you to give your life to Christ if you haven't already. Parents, let me speak to you for just a second. If this is your first kid going out, I know you're excited, but also you're absolutely filled with anxiety in every kind of way. If this is your last kid going out, I want to hug you when this is over. Uh, you're not excited. There's a big empty hole in your life that's about to be very real to you and it's going to break your heart and you're not going to be okay. Uh, I was not last year, still not, I don't think, but it's going to be all right. God is faithful and he will continue to carry you along. And I'm sure there's going to be grandkids someday to fill in that hole. I'm looking forward to it and praying for it intently uh, that that might perk me up just a little bit. Uh, but we'll be praying for you too because parents, it's hard. It is hard. You have devoted 18 years of your life. If you're a grandparent, even more than that. And that's a long time. And now all you can do is fall on your knees and just pray that God would carry them, right? Speaking of that, why don't we go to the Lord and pray right now before we get started. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for who you are. Just praise you and thank you for life. We've gotten away from the understanding that you created all things and you breathe the breath of life into us. And apart from you, we wouldn't even know life. But because of who you are and your goodness and your kindness and your mercy and your compassion and your love, we know life, just physical life. You bless us with these kids and they are the greatest treasures of our soul. And we watch them grow up before our eyes and you bless them with talents and abilities. And we just marvel at those things. And then we come to this day where the rope is untied and, and they're set free and we wave goodbye and they go off and live life. And we're filled with anxiety and worry and all those things. But Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts, comfort us and give us peace and remind us that your hand is steady upon our hearts and you're gracious. Even if we don't know you nor care about you or recognize you, you still feed us, you still care for us. You still provide for us and you still seek opportunities to make yourself known to us. And we praise you for that. And I pray that you would take advantage through my huh, sometimes failing words, that you would take advantage through my words and do something glorious in the life of one of these young people or one of these parents or one of these grandparents tonight and make yourself known. Lord, all that I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So again, let me thank you. This is like one of the highlights of your life. And you're like sharing it with us and giving us an opportunity to speak into your life. And I really appreciate it. That's no small thing. I really appreciate that. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity to get a chance to speak into it. Dylan's right. Everything's going to change. I don't know of a greater change in my life than the moment that you're at right now because you walk out of 13 years of effort. I know that you were forced in some cases, but you walk out of 13 years of effort 
And when I reflect back on that now, I realize my life changed so quickly and some of the worst moments in my life took place immediately after, followed by some of the greatest moments of my life after that. In fact, it wasn't until I was in college that the greatest moment in my life took place when I met Christ. I sat here, I won't tell you how many years ago, but you can tell by the beard and the bald, hair, bald head, it's been a while. I sat right there and I listened to a man yell for a long time. I sat in the back, in the group. I was on the back row. Didn't really care about what he said. I played the part. Everybody thought I was a Christian. My parents carried me to church. If you asked somebody, they would have told you that I was. But when I reflect back on my class and I may get some hateful emails, I don't remember any of us being legit. Some of us played the game very well. Others didn't play the game at all. But we played the game of being Christians. And as of right now, I can really only think of one boy that was legit and he graduated Pisgah. And by the grace of God, he became my roommate and led me to Christ in my dorm room in Auburn. And I understood what it meant to truly follow Christ. The rest of us, we dressed up nice. We put a smile on our face. We changed our language when our parents were around. We walked the part when we needed to walk the part, and we didn't walk the part when we didn't have to walk the part. And with all earnestness, I'm totally away from what I was going to say, with all earnestness, don't do that. Don't play the part. Either be legit with your life or don't. Why play middle ground? It's silly. So tonight when I walk through some of these things, I pray that you are examining your life very carefully, you not your mom, not your dad, not your friend, not the person sitting next to you. Don't think about somebody else. I want you to think about you and examine your own heart and see where you're at because that's the real concern. Now, as far as accomplishments go, again, I've got to come back to the congratulations. 13 years is a long time. And again, you may have been forced, but 13 years is still a long time. And you'll find out when you get a little bit older that finishing is way better than starting. We get all excited and start all kinds of things, right? I get a hard time at home a little bit because I've got so many Home Depot bags hanging on door frames and all over the place because I was going to start something and I went and bought something and it's still hanging with the receipt in the back, but I never got around to it. You're going to find out you can start lots of stuff, but finishing is where it's really at, and finishing is awesome. And you're at a place in your life where you look back and you go, yeah, I finished that. I really walked the whole way. And not everybody does, and not everybody did. But you walked the whole way, and so you finished. Now, there are some things that you accomplished. There's a ton of things that you accomplished. In fact, I mean, some of you finished on top academically, and that ought to be recognized. Congratulations. And then again, some of you just finished, but you did finish, and that ought to be recognized. Some of you accomplished some things as athletes that ought to be recognized in all kinds of various sports, and that's really awesome. I wish I knew some of those things. The last time I did this, I did know some of those things, and I paused to recognize them. Those are, those are significant. Some of you obviously accomplished some things musically. I've watched a couple of you grow up musically and you continue to accomplish those things and you've done that over the last 13 years you've become proficient even excellent at some of those things and that ought to be recognized 
Some of you held positions of leadership over the last 13 years, and some of you learned to follow well over the last 13 years, and that's equally ought to be recognized. Very few people know how to follow. Some of you became very dependable and trustworthy friends. Some of you overlooked or rather overcame anxieties that once held you back. Others developed in personal ways that are just too personal to talk about. You know about them. And if they could be recognized, they ought to be recognized because you accomplished those things. And you did so in a really tough context. In a really tough period of time. My testimony that I shared, it wasn't near as difficult as it is today. We had it easy compared to y'all. Y'all had a tough stretch. And what you've done, you've done well during a very tough stretch. But as I said, you deserve recognition, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to play a part in that recognition. And I hope that the rest of this school year goes well and people applauding you, your parents encouraging you, you really need to do that well. Your grandparents encouraging you, your friends encouraging you because you've done it, you finished it, and you've done a good job. And people need to applaud your effort. And I do with all sincerity. I'm not just talking. I really mean it. I applaud you. It's awesome. But there is something that you did not accomplish along the way. In fact, it is the most important thing that you did not even make one step of gain along the way. And that it is justifying yourself before God. There's not a single person in this room over the last 13 years has put one foot forth in effort that God recognized and received. There's not a single person in this room that did something, said something, acted in kindness, did some good work, did any kind of effort at all that God looked upon, recognized, accepted, and received. In other words, none of you earned your place in heaven. There's not a single solitary person in this room that has ever earned their place in heaven, nor been accepted by God for who they are or anything they've ever done. Yet, every person I ever ask about their relationship with God and whether or not they'll spend eternity with God, you know what the first thing that they tell me is? Oh, I'm a good person. As if being a good person mattered. As if being a good person put you somehow ahead of everybody else and moved you closer to God in order that He might applaud you and accept you and receive you. In fact, if I got hard enough, I'd make parents and grandparents really angry if I dug down deep and helped them realize that their kid is not a good person because Scripture says they're not. In fact, I was at work, Maggie. The last time I told somebody at work, they weren't a good person. Their face turned red. They lifted their finger and they said, you better believe I'm a good person. It's just how we think. We're absolutely convinced because we don't look at ourselves. We look at other people and we go, well, I'm better than them. You better believe I'm better than Chris Hancock. That's how we think. And I said to him because he knows it's the other way around. But it doesn't matter because that still doesn't move us closer to being accepted by God. So since we couldn't accomplish that, God in all of his compassion and all of his mercy and all of his love did that in our place. Now you've heard this story your whole life. 
And you know what? At the age of 18, I'd have heard it. I heard it my whole life. I mean, I literally went to church nine months before I was born. People say that, but I did. And I heard the gospel every Sunday. We used to have people come speak to the basketball and the various sports things, and I heard it every time. In fact, Glenn Haynes was my basketball coach. You better believe growing up that I heard the gospel many times. Didn't click. It never changed my life. It never moved my heart, though I had lifted a hand, though I had walked an aisle, though I had prayed a prayer, though I had been baptized maybe more than once. Nothing going on in the inside. I still was not legit. I did all of that out of a guilty conscience. And then I realized that what I'd always tried to do, God had done on my behalf through His Son. And this is the thing that you've heard your whole life that in this moment I really want to click. Out of love, God sent His Son. Fully God, became fully man, lived a perfect life, what you could never do, and was fully accepted by the Father and went to the cross and was crucified to pay for your sin and mine. And He did all of that out of love and compassion. He died in your place. You see, if you paid for your sins, and you will if Christ does not pay for them, if you paid for your sins, the penalty for sin is always death. I'd heard that my whole life. And so, of course, I'm going to do what I need to do to avoid death. Where's the aisle I need to go down to? Where's the hand I need to raise? Where's the prayer I need to pray? That really doesn't set well with me, but that's the reality. The punishment for sin is death over and over again. It's the law of God. Therefore, Christ didn't merely suffer, but He suffered and died in your place. He really died. Yes? And so when He calls us to that understanding, you have to realize that He's calling, God is calling you to Himself through the work of Christ because your work is unacceptable. It's not worthy. It falls short. Please never think that you are in yourself acceptable before God. There's only one whom He accepted, and it's His Son. That's it. But this is the analogy that I always like to use. If you marry His Son, you're in. Because it's very much like a marriage. You literally are handing your life over to Him. You really do die to yourself and hand your life to Christ. And you're literally, spiritually, born again. You're not who you once were. And I never understood that until I was weeping in my college dorm, realizing what just took place. I'm not who I once was. I don't have the same desires. I don't have the same thoughts and ideas. They're all of a sudden beginning to change. And they're looking a whole lot like His desires. Now, it's interesting that I would catch you right here and right now because of the particular moment in your life. Independence is right there, man. Now, for some of you, sadly, you reached and grabbed independence a long time ago because you had to in your family situation. You're like, I had to reach out and grab it. I know a girl that 
Maggie and I worked with, she had to grab independence at a very early age because her parents just totally checked out. But I would suggest for the majority of you, independence is right in front of you. You've been dependent upon the parents. You've been dependent on the grandparents. And independence is just right there. And what I'm telling you is to let it pass and don't take hold of it. Because what I'm asking you to do is not to be independent, not rise up and go and do whatever your heart and mind sets to do. I'm calling you to be dependent upon Christ. I'm calling you to die to yourself, forget what you think, forget what you want to do, and submit your life to Him and walk in His way and do what He wants you to do. You see, we're under the impression on Sand Mountain, for some crazy reason, that you can do whatever it is that your church leads you to do. Uh, somebody just led one of our kids recently at a very young age at some particular school, not around here, to follow me after a prayer, right? So she raised her little hand, doesn't have a clue. No, what I'm talking about is you dying to yourself and handing the keys of your life over to Christ and He becomes the one that dictates and determines how you live, what you say, where you go, and what you do. That's not what's communicated on Sand Mountain. What's communicated up here is we need to fix something. We need to do something to get our life right with God, and then you get to go do whatever you want to do. Where'd that come from? I'll tell you where that came from. That came from hell. Because that is not the gospel. That's not the gospel at all. I told my kids, all my kids came to faith early in Christ. Some think it's cruel. I'm deeply concerned for their soul, so I don't think it's cruel at all. I told all of my kids when they came to faith in Christ, if there is ever a day that you don't love the Lord, that you don't love His Word, you have no interest in the things of God, you have no interest in God, you have no interest in the church, please don't think that you've been born again by the blood of the Lamb. Please don't think that the Spirit of God dwells in you because He doesn't dwell in those places. You see, when you come to faith in Christ, you, like I said earlier, you are born again. Things look different. Not all of a sudden. Not I did that so I could wake everybody up. Not all of a sudden. But it begins, a it begins a process in your life where this gets converted and that gets converted and that gets changed and this gets changed. And you begin to look like Him. You begin to walk like Him. That's what I'm talking about. And that's why I started out with this idea of legitimacy, being legit. You know the only one that can answer that question is you. I, I know how your grandmother wants to answer that question, just like my grandmother wanted to answer that question when I was your age. I know how your mom and your dad wants to answer that question because I know how my mom and dad would answer that question when I was your age. But you really, in reality, you're the only one. You are the only one. You're the one that knows whether I live my life the way I want to live my life and I do the things I want to do and I'll do them when I want to do them. Or you're the one that has submitted your heart and life to Christ. And you walk about in humility and obedience to what the Lord says.
just had a conversation with my son. Most of y'all know Jonathan. And we were having a conversation about some really difficult things. He's driving on his way home six hours. And I was challenging him with some things in his life. And he stops me. He goes, Dad, you do realize that I followed the Lord. And I was like, yeah, I know that, son. But I still want to challenge your heart because I still worry and I still pray. But he understands what being legitimate is all about. He understands what it truly means to follow Christ. And in reality, most of y'all don't because you've never seen it. You see, it's a rare thing. I told you out of all of us kids at section, I don't know of anyone that was legitimate. And I only knew of that one boy from Pisgah because I'd never seen that before. I mean, we'd go on Sunday morning, but you know what we'd do on Friday night. He would talk the same way all the time, whether we were in the dorm, in the classroom, at a football game, on the telephone, out with girlfriends. He talked the same way all the time, and that blew my mind because he was legitimate. He would ask me to go to Bible study, and I'm sitting here holding my Bible, you know, looking at my watch going, oh, please, the altar call really doesn't need to be an hour, does it? That was my mindset, and he's sitting here worshiping God, just praising God for the time that he has to spend with God. I've never seen anything like that. And so when I say you've probably never seen anybody legitimate, that's probably true. Because they're so few and far between. It's rare to run into a person who's died of themselves and given them given their hearts and lives to Christ. But they're real. And they're out there. And that's exactly who I want you to be. I guess I've had you since the fifth or sixth grade. Somewhere along the way. And I'm so thankful for this last chance to, to pour that into your life. Last things I want to mention, and then, and then we'll pray. I'm not, I'm not going to be long. I actually didn't do any of this, but oh well. In the Bible, I told Dylan I was going to talk about where you've been, where you're going. I guess I'll get one of them. Where you're going to go, Dylan. How about that? I'll do one of them. It's fascinating in the Bible. It's really simple. It's always two. It's never more than two. Let me give you a few examples. There's only two gates in the Bible. There is a wide gate that many enter through, but it leads to destruction. And then there is a narrow gate that leads to life, and only a few find it. Two gates. There's only two foundations upon which to build your life. One is built upon the sand, and that is the one who ignores the Word of God and winds up in destruction. The other is built upon the rock. That's the one that hears the Word of God and stands in the storm. And then lastly, in Psalm 2, and that's where, or rather in Psalm 1, there is two ways. There's just two ways. There's the way of the blessed and the way of the perishing or the way of the wicked. And the reason that I bring this up is you're absolutely convinced that there's more than two ways. But I'm here to tell you there is absolutely not more than two ways. The way of the perishing or the way of the wicked, in our minds, we think, oh, there's endless number of ways. But guys, if you wind up at the same place, was there really endless number of ways? No, 
It was just one all along. It just looked like an endless number of ways. Let me describe that way for you. He says, therefore, the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind just blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked perish. That's why it's only one. So you might think, oh, I can, I'm going to go do what I want to do, and I'm going to go live how I want to live, and it'll be unique, and it'll be different because it's the way that I want to do and how I want to live. But it still winds up at the same place. Therefore, you've got to go, well, it's just one way then. But the other way is extremely different. In fact, it's referred to in Scripture as the way of the blessed. And that way is also known as the way of the righteous, the way of those who have been converted and accepted by God. Just a couple of quick things about this. The first thing that's described about this man is what he is not. Listen to this man. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. And he does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Did you notice the progression? Let me help you. Walk, stand, sit. You're like, isn't that backwards? No, 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 no. You know what sit is a reference to? I'm done. This is where I'm at. This is who I am. This is how I'm going to live. I'm settled. That's sitting. And you're sitting in your own way. And you're committed to your way. You're committed to who you want to be. You're committed to what you want to do. And you don't give a rip. And if anybody asks you about your relationship with Christ, yeah, when I was a kid, here we go. You see, we start with the things that we're not because in reality that describes who we are apart from Christ. And there's one thing, and I'm done, that describes the way of the man who is blessed. And that way is this. He delights in this. You know what this is? This is a Word of God, and I bet you all have a copy. And it's the most amazing thing because it's got one foot in heaven and the other foot on earth. And it says in here that it is God-breathed. Even the punctuation, people kind of laugh at that, but I, I teach release time kids that. It's God-breathed. He even breathed in the punctuation, man. And He tells us in here how to have life in His Son. And you've got to decide what you're going to do with that. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and describes how to live life to his glory. Guys, two roads, and I'll leave you with this. There is literally only two choices on the table. One is yours. And I know it sounds good. And I know you're convinced it will taste good. But when I got to the end of me at the age of 23... I had a mouthful of sour stuff and it was all mine and I hated the taste of it. And then I tasted the sweetest thing I've ever put in my mouth. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And I stopped going my way and I started going His way with all my heart. Please consider these things. And please give up 
yourself and give yourself to Christ. And when you're old and gray, you will be praising God for the grace of having known him personally. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together, and I thank you for these precious, precious young adults. Each one of them was created in your image. Each one of them has the potential to glorify you in every way of their lives. Lord, I pray that in your grace and your compassion that you would move in their lives in a powerful way. I pray that as they walk out of 13 years of hard work, that they will walk into your presence and fall on their knees and either commit their life to you or recommit their life to you either way so they would firmly nail down who they're going to be and what they're going to do for the rest of their days. And they would come to the decision that they were going to follow you and be legitimate. Father, whatever they do, I pray that your hand of grace and compassion will continue with them. Father, I'm reminded in this moment about the thief on the cross spent his whole life in his own way. And we're not guaranteed this, but it certainly does point to your compassion because in his dying breath, he turned to you seeking your mercy and your compassion and you graciously extended your hand. So, Father, whatever decision these guys make, I pray that you would go with them and follow after them in your mercy and your grace and your compassion, and you would continue to work. And I don't care if it's today. I don't care if they're lying in a dorm room floor one day. I don't care if they're in the parking lot after work one day. I don't care if they're laying in their bedroom floor one day. I don't care where it is. I just pray that you would find them. And you would move upon them in power. And you would cause them to be born again. And they will praise you forevermore. All this we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.